Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Today's sermon is titled Sabbath Brainstorming. I want us to take a look at the idea of the Sabbath existing before the creation of our earth. Specifically, a Sabbath in heaven, and specifically, Sabbath on other inhabited worlds. Today's sermon is not a concrete doctrine. It is not a salvational issue, nor an immovable set of ideas. This sermon is simply brainstorming with God's word, and the belief that the Sabbath existed before the creation of our world. Was there a Sabbath in heaven and on other worlds? That question might lead us to this question. Is there a Sabbath in heaven now? And if not now, how about in the future? These are just a few questions that I'll be trying to answer today. But before we begin, let's pray. Dear God, we invite your presence here. Please send us your Holy Spirit and impress our minds with heavenly thoughts. As we open your word and spirit of prophecy, may you be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Genesis 1, verses 1 through 30, it talks about God creating our world. And in the next couple of verses, the Sabbath has its beginning. It begins in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. Let's turn to Genesis 2. Verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. If you remember one of my previous sermons titled War in Heaven, I stated before anything was ever created that the Godhead was there and they were discussing all of their plans for creation. Let's now use our spiritual imagination, our mind's eye, and take a closer look at this event. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are there. They are discussing plans for their future creation. Before anything was love, because God is a God of love, and he wants to give his future creation free will. Why free will? The simplest explanation I can give is because he wants his intelligent creation to love him back, and not as a robot, but because he first loved us. Here we have the Godhead discussing the idea, if we give our intelligent creation free will, what will that look like in the future? So, in the very beginning of time, before anything was made, God looked throughout the stream of time and saw ages of happiness and bliss. As he looked at more ages, he saw something terrible appear, a terrible thing called sin. And that led to rebellion in the paradise he was about to create. 
He also saw a short time of happiness and bliss after, after the creation of our world. But then he saw we would join that first rebellion. God then decides to make a plan for our salvation and redemption. Looking even further in time, God sees a company of redeemed that would someday join the side that did not rebel. Looking even further, God saw the wicked resurrected and being judged, with God himself being fully fully vindicated against this terrible thing called sin. Finally, he saw a new heaven and a new earth where sin and sinners were no more. And he says this, is what we want to remember when sin and sinners are no more. But more importantly, when my creation knows and trusts that without a shadow of a doubt, I love them. I believe that then God decides to create this thing called a Sabbath so that each week in time would point to a time in the future of a new heaven and a new earth a future where all of his creation knows and trusts that God is love. Also, hidden within this thing called a Sabbath, he would hide his plans for salvation and redemption. Some texts for these plans are found in 1 Peter 1, 18-20 and Hebrews 4.3. These verses talk about a rest and about things being finished before the foundation of the world. Do you catch those two key words, rest and before? The Truth About Angels, page 25, says, The plan for our redemption was not an afterthought, a plan formulated after the fall of any who would rebel. It was a revelation of the mystery which hath been kept in silence through times eternal. It was an unfolding of the principles that from eternal ages have been the foundation of God's throne. God did not ordain that sin should exist, but he foresaw its existence and made provision to meet the terrible emergency. Let's now take a closer look at this thing called a Sabbath. As most of us know, the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments. One place it is found is in Exodus 28 through 11. Let's turn to Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The Ten Commandments can be described as a reflection of God's character. There are many characteristics found in the Bible that are the same for God and for the law. Here are just a few examples. Where it says God is good, Luke eighteen nineteen, Scripture says that the law is good, Romans seven twelve. 
Where it says God is love, 1 John 4, 8, Scripture says that the law is love, Romans 13, 10. And where it says God is eternal, Genesis 21, 33, Scripture also says the law is eternal, Psalms 111, 7, and 8. As Adventists, we teach that God put his seal, which is the Sabbath, in the middle of his law, in the middle of the Ten Commandments. We teach that this seal has three components. The seal tells his name, the Lord. The seal tells the realm of his jurisdiction, heaven, earth, and sea. Lastly, the seal identifies his authority, the Lord made. He is the creator. My question for us in this brainstorming sermon is, why wouldn't the creator of the universe put his seal of authority not just on our planet, but in heaven and the unfallen worlds as well? We know that other unfallen worlds have a tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they, unlike us, never tasted of that fruit. In early writings, page 39, it says this. The Lord has given me a view of other worlds. Then I saw two trees. One looked much like the tree of life in the city. The fruit of both looked beautiful, but of one they could not eat. They had the power to eat of both, but were forbidden to eat of one. Then my attending angel said to me, None in this place have tasted of the forbidden tree, but if they should eat, they would fall. These worlds have detailed similarities with our own world. Wouldn't you agree? That raises the question, wouldn't God spend a Sabbath with these unfallen beings like he did with our first parents? when they were unfallen? I believe that God created these other worlds each in seven days. I believe on day six, he created those intelligent beings. Then on day seven, I believe God rested with them in a Sabbath, just like the pattern of our world. As Adventists, we say that God's law is immutable and unchangeable. We quote Matthew 5.18. Let's turn to Matthew 5.18. Matthew 5.18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. We also quote the first part of Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I change not. And we tell other denominations that God wrote his law with his own finger in stone, signifying that it is unchangeable. How many have heard the following statement? If God could have changed his law, then Jesus would not have had to die. Have you heard this before? In the Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 109, it says this, 
When Satan rebelled against the law of Jehovah, the thought that there was a law came to the angels almost as an awakening to something unthought of, which means they would have been keeping God's laws for ages without even knowing it. Just as the Israelites had the Sabbath before they were given written tables of stone, I believe unfallen angels had a Sabbath before they realized there were even laws. Another characteristic of God's law is that God's law is not arbitrary, meaning we have certain laws because God said so. An example of this could be God pointing to a group and saying, these created beings for thousands of years will not keep a Sabbath. Then pointing to another group saying, but these created beings over here, well, they need a Sabbath, so I will require it for them. Is this how God makes laws, or have they always been in place? In Patriarchs and Prophets, page 48, it says, God saw that a Sabbath was essential for man, even in paradise. He needed to lay aside his own interests for one day of the seven. So the next question is, if it was the best thing for unfallen Adam and Eve in paradise, wouldn't it be the best thing for millions of unfallen angels in paradise as well? Some argue that God knew that Adam and Eve were going to fall, so he established a Sabbath only for them. But one-third of the angels in heaven also fell. Based on that argument, wouldn't God need to establish it in heaven for angels as well? Keeping with our arbitrary theme, let's now take a look at the question, Will the remnant be keeping a Sabbath in heaven? With the closing scenes of verse history soon to be upon us, how many remember what the final test on this planet will be? The Great Controversy, page 605. It says the Sabbath will be the great test of loyalty, for it is the point of truth especially controverted. When the final test shall be brought to bear upon men, then the line of distinction will be drawn between those who serve God and those who serve him not. After this test, the righteous go to heaven with Jesus for a thousand years. If the redeemed are not keeping the Sabbath in heaven, couldn't Satan claim that God's law is arbitrary? Couldn't he claim that you just destroyed all of those people in the last test? But now the redeemed in heaven are just like the ones you destroyed. There are some prominent Adventist speakers who believe that the Sabbath was created only for our world. In defense of their position, they give Christ's words, Mark 2.27. Let's turn to Mark 2.27. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. 
Their belief is because it was made for man, it wasn't kept in heaven or anywhere else in the past and maybe even the present. My answer to this is, many things in scripture benefit first the angels and other worlds, while later we humans catch on. For example, when Abraham said to his son, God will provide himself a lamb, then his hand was stayed and there was a ram in the bush that was sacrificed instead of Isaac. Who knew this story? Two people, Abraham and Isaac to start. But all the angels and unfallen worlds were witnesses to this event. They learned from it and saw more clearly the parts that the father and son would play in our salvation. So I agree. I agree with the word of God in Mark 2:27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not for the belief that it was only given to him, but because of the belief that hidden in it, as we discussed earlier, was the plan of salvation and redemption. Imagine the intelligence of heaven and other worlds keeping the Sabbath for ages and then hear Christ's words that it was made for man. What a revelation. As we continue, are there any other obstacles that people might have in believing of a Sabbath in heaven? I think there are two ideas that are the biggest obstacles. Preventing the belief of a Sabbath in heaven. These two ideas deal with time and its relationship to heaven. The first idea or obstacle is the belief that time in heaven stretches long past our 24-hour day cycles. The text commonly thought of is 2 Peter 3.8. Let's turn to 2 Peter 3, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. This verse is not saying that those that are with the Lord are in long amounts of stretched out time. This verse is simply confirming that the Lord is, I am. The second idea or obstacle is similar. But instead of long amounts of stretched out time, this belief is the belief that there is no time in heaven. Maybe you share one of these beliefs. Let's try to answer obstacle or belief number one first. Long amounts of stretched out time. And we'll answer it by taking a look at our own world. As Adventists, we tell people who believe in evolution that God did not take thousands of years to create this planet. We tell them our planet was created in six literal days with a rest day on day seven. If you think about it, the belief of long amounts of stretched out time is basically applying the concept of evolution to heaven and other worlds. If God did not use evolution to create our world, why would he create or live in a heaven, or even let other worlds exist with long amounts of stretched out time. 
I believe God created heaven in six days with a rest day on day seven, just like our planet. What about obstacle or belief number two? No time in heaven. If we follow our Earth's pattern for day six, God would have created all the angels on that day. Do you remember who was created first? The first created angel was named Lucifer. Did you know he is called the son of the morning? Let's turn to Isaiah 14, 12. Isaiah 14, verse 12. The first part. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? To have a morning, you first need an evening. And if there are evenings and mornings, heaven has to have time. For me, this proves a timeless heaven to be incorrect. But let's finish out the thought process. Because there are evenings and mornings, there are days in heaven. If there are days in heaven, what about months? Are there months in heaven? In the Great Controversy, page 675, it says the tree of life yields its fruit every month. And the tree of life bears 12 different kinds of fruit and yields them every month. Adventist Review and Herald, 1861. Another example of days in heaven is when Jesus, our Savior and High Priest, moved from the holy place to the most holy place, foretold of in Daniel 8.14. This event is described taking place after 2,300 days. In this prophecy, we do apply the day-to-year principle, but my point is, Jesus, who is God, performs very important things in heaven in days. And even if we apply 2,300 years, aren't the components of years, months, and days? The last example I have to share on the Sabbath in heaven now is this. There are some people from our world who are already in heaven. Do you remember who they are? Enoch, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. There are also a few resurrected who went with Christ when he ascended 2,000 years ago. We know for a fact that the four mentioned kept the Sabbath here. Wouldn't they also keep it there as well? Or are we suggesting that these individuals, now that they are in heaven, stop keeping the Sabbath? What does the Sabbath in the distant future look like? Our last question for today. Will there be a Sabbath in the earth and heaven made new? Let's turn to Isaiah 66, verse 23. Isaiah 66, 23. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh Come to worship before me, saith the Lord. In my opinion, I believe the creator of the universe 
put his seal not only on our planet, but on heaven and other worlds. I believe he did this with a Sabbath. I also believe it is inconsistent to have a Sabbath in our present world and a Sabbath to look forward to in the future. But in the past, and maybe even the present, a Sabbath in heaven and on other worlds didn't or doesn't exist. In the light of our topic today, where do you now stand? Do you believe that there was a Sabbath in heaven and other worlds before the earth was created? Also, where do you now stand on the belief of a Sabbath in heaven right now? In closing, let's turn to our scripture reading. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. First Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. The Bible gives us this promise that the many things that aren't so clear right now will be made clear when Jesus comes. Our closing hymn today is number four hundred and sixty. Let's pray. Lord, we know the times that we are living in. Our world is pushing the last drops of the Holy Spirit out of their lives. But as your people, we ask like David, take not your Holy Spirit from us. For the remainder of today and this week and whatever we do, let your Spirit dwell with us. In Jesus' name, amen.